0: this is do we like movies it's a podcast where two guys review individual movies sequels and occasional television shows in this show we talk about our experiences with them and we answer the question do we like this movie Welcome to Do We Like Movies, I'm your host, Angel. And I'm
1: your, I'm your host that fell into a void, Javi.
0: <laughs> oh my god, alright. So, this is the first time since before the pandemic that we've ever recorded an episode together. We did that weird little mini-episode after we watched Candyman, but this is legitimately the first time that you and I are sitting in the same room recording an episode of this show Since, like, December of 2019. Actually, no, like, early 2020. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a
1: while. But it was completely impromptu because, like, I was leaving work and I reached out to Angel. I'm like, hey, man, I'm near your house. Should I come over and we do an in-person recording? We haven't done in-person recording forever. He's like, yeah, sure. So we come over. And Jesus Christ, has it been a? F- <laughs> like, it has been so long since we've done this. We forgot everything that goes into in-person recording, and this has been—I'm losing my mind already.
0: Yeah, we literally started with like me spilling a beverage all over my like c- computer. <laughs> uh, then we couldn't get any sound
1: on the fucking <laughs> fucking muted. So me and Angel were talking like idiots, <laughs> trying to figure out why it's not picking us up. And now we gotta talk about these movies.
0: So I feel bad. <laughs> All right. So this week we are talking about Girl on the Third Floor. Now this is a movie that you have been telling me about for some time. Uh, both of us are familiar with the star of this uh, movie, uh, Phil Brooks, aka CM Punk, who was a, I mean when this movie came out, a former professional wrestler. Now that now that we're recording this, he's once again a professional wrestler. <laughs> so yeah, this is interesting because obviously, like this movie. It is an indie horror movie, and it stars someone that we are so familiar with in a completely different environment. So, uh, definitely an interesting movie. Right away, I feel like this movie has the vibe of something like uh, Your Next or uh, House of the Devil or like The Innkeepers or just like one of those like early 2010 like. Indie movies that, like, horror indie movies that we were yeah. all super into. and well,
1: Those mumble gore movies because you barely recognize any of the cast. I've never seen Tra- a Travis Stevens film before this, so I couldn't even tell you who he is. Right. And, uh, inter- like,
0: if someone's coming into this movie and you don't have this kind of, like, uh, previous experience, like, with CM Punk, you're very likely just watching this guy for the very first time as, like, you know, it's just this new actor and normally, like when we watch wrestlers in movies, we're watching them in action films, mm-hmm. and we're watching them do like these like crazy like uh, action like you know comic book kind of fantasy movies. So to have like a guy who's a pro wrestler, but who is very much built more like a you or I, yeah. <laughs> We have him as, like, the star of this movie, and uh, it's... Yeah, it's it's an interesting movie to to get into here.
1: Yeah, so it's a movie that got a lot of attention after South by Southwest back in, like, 2019, I think? So, it's been... It was one of those movies that... I think it it came out on Netflix right... Either six months before the pandemic. Um, So, it's one of those... That kind of just snuck by, right? So it's one of those movies that just kind of, like that. I don't remember seeing much as far as a as a uh, like meet social media campaign or or an ad campaign for it. Literally, I just like I think just like going over on social media and seeing like, oh, CM Punk is supposed to be in this new film. That's kind of where my start was. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing him like dressed up in character, right? And I remember seeing the blue shirt and like I think there's at one point he has these brown pants. And I was like, oh, he looks kinda of like Ash. <laughs> and I think that's when I kind of like floated that idea by you. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if like CM Punk played like Ash in like the evil dead in a remake or something like that?
0: Well, right, because he he is kind of like a nerd. Like he, he isn't a comic book nerd, but also a horror movie nerd. So definitely like a guy that we could relate to in that in that respect. And uh, he is someone who like kind of fashions himself in terms of a wrestler and a horror movie in the vein. Like I think he's even said it himself in an interview that he kind of fashions himself as someone like a rowdy Roddy Piper in *They Live* you know like i can see that and 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 also ash from uh, you know from evil dead as well mm-hmm. um, so this is yeah it's an interesting movie he's literally he's a wrestler from chicago and he's playing a guy from chicago his name <laughs> yeah. is don coach
1: I, okay like i've heard like you know there's the Koch brothers i've heard the Koch brothers at diamond like blood diamond Cellars <laughs> So I want I I think at least for the purpose of this podcast we're going to refer to him as Don Coach. Yeah. So Don and his lovely wife uh, Lisa no Liz Liz mm-hmm. his wife Liz recently bought a house out in the suburbs and they're two yuppie older millennial maybe Gen X. Uh, professionals that are leaving the big city of Chicago and moving to a a quainter, more uh, quiet suburb up in, I don't know, upstate Illinois. Is there an upstate Illinois? I I don't know, but
0: definitely it seems like somewhere in Illinois. Like, it is further. It's obviously out of the city and uh, one of more of those rural Illinois,
1: either suburbs or towns. So... like, the first, I want to say 15 minutes of the house, or of the movie, are when Don moves into the house. And it, you're essentially getting equated with what the house looks like. You're getting equated with uh, Don as a character and as a person. And right off the bat, he plays kind of a smarmy asshole that doesn't like talking to people. And I'm like, wow, man. <laughs> like, I love CM Punk, but... He's kind of a swarmy asshole in real life, so it's, <laughs> you know it's kind of like he's just living the role. Honestly, <laughs> mm-hmm. he just kind of plays himself. So we find out that Liz is pregnant, and uh, he moved into the house with his dog Cooper. And shortly after they move in, he starts like kind of meeting a lot of the people that live in the that live in the uh, in the neighborhood. And this is where he gets introduced to Ellie Mueller, who I believe is the lady that lives across the street, right? So right off the bat, I get the vibe that she's, like, the Harbinger character. So she's kind of there to, like... Because right out like... Alright, like you said, the vibe of the movie is that it's, ha- like, House of the Devil. Like, it is a horror movie. This is like, a spooky haunted house movie. One of the things in
0: horror movies that I've gotten super into, like, in the last few years is... Just this really neat, like it, it, it's horror shorts, you know. Like, mm-hmm. you ever if you ever get on YouTube and you ever watch like award winning horror shorts, you know, stuff like the movie Lights Out came from being a short That's film right. before yeah. it was an actual full length feature. Um, if you watch those kinds of things online, like I do, or watch something like a VHS or something, or a you're next. Like I love the idea of these wonderful little self-contained horror movies that is about introducing you to a character, putting them in a situation and then knowing that you're watching a character that's doomed for the entire film. And I feel like I feel like movies in previous decades were a lot more like conscious about the idea of sequelizing things which is why it's like it would always end with people defeating the evil monster or moving out of the house a la poltergeist or something like that and it's like whereas like i feel like movies now are more like the strangers where you're you know at the end of the movie your your characters are in for a very dark fate Or something like your next, where that kind of stuff happens as well. So it is. The
1: Strangers just literally follows the killers. Right. (laughs) But that prey at night was a thing.
0: Yeah. So it's it's definitely. That's the vibe that I got from this movie is that we're going to watch Don, and that there's a lot of things that you find out about Don throughout the movie that make him a less and less savory character. But at the same time, because you are spending so much time with him and his dog and getting to know them, that you feel some sort of attachment towards these characters. And you just know that the movie's going to end with one of them no longer
1: being here. <laughs> yeah. So, like, some of the things that happen is that, like, yeah, he has the, the, the pastoral lady come over across the street, and she kind of, like, introduces herself and talks about if he ever needs anything to reach out and kind of alludes to the history of the house and then uh there's also this other scene where don talks to a uh former business associate or like another lawyer and this is kind of where we find out that don was a lawyer uh back in the big city he did some shady stuff apparently and was cut a deal which I, with, I believe, like the Department of Justice, where in lieu of jail time, he essentially got disbarred and has now moved out to the suburbs to kind of get out of whatever thing he's running away from in Chicago. Now, the, watching
0: this for this podcast, it is the first time I've ever watched this movie. So when you do start to find out that this guy's got a bit of a criminal past, my assumption was more like a... He had messed with the wrong people and he was basically going into hiding. Like it wasn't like a thing of him trying to start all over so much as it was maybe him trying to hide. And the irony in the movie is that what you know is that karma's gonna get him in the form of the people in this haunted ass house.
1: <laughs> now when you say the peop the mess with the wrong people do you mean gangsters because of all the Sopranos references we've been making? Oh, no,
0: well, just, enjoy, yeah, like, I mean, it could have been one of those things where it's like, yes, you have committed some kind of white-collar crime, and uh, you're going to be in some serious trouble, if not with the police. The police have basically just left you to your own devices. Hey, stay out of trouble, and bye. Stay out of bye. trouble,
1: there. And, and then it's like, hey, ho, oh, whoa. <laughs> I don't want a reason to do that. So right off the bat, the thing is okay. For those of you that don't know what CM Punk looks like, he is straight edge punk rock dude from what? Like, I would say his aesthetic was definitely more popular in the '90s, at least the punk rock scene, right?
0: Well, the punk rock scene that he came from, yes. Yeah, so he's he's he,
1: someone who's popular
0: now because he he's had such a long career at this point. And, I mean, the and, dude's like 42. Right. So, so it's it's it's. I think yes. at the
1: time the movie was filmed, he was like 39 or so. But pretty much, like the thing is, he's got like sleeve arm sleeves, uh, arm like sleeve tattoos, hand tattoos all across his chest because he is shirtless.
0: Things that you can do, things that you can do in this kind of production, because CM Punk has done like television now and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. and they do cover him up, like cover up his tattoos and kind of make him look a little more quote unquote normal yeah. in projects that he's in now. But one of the, I think, maybe neat things about working on projects like this, and he's also, my understanding is he's done movies with the Soska sisters as well. Oh, okay. Like, it's just like getting together with these kind of indie, like, you know, directors that, that kind of like Creating characters that are less like in the mold of what you see in traditional mm-hmm. horror movies. Like it feels like this is a character that was built for him. It's I from Chicago. It. Yeah. yeah, it's from he's from Chicago like he is in his wrestling character. Yeah. The music that he like he dresses like you know, square, but the stuff he listens to on his on his AirPods or iPad is like, yeah, iPod is like this the kind of stuff that he would listen to. Mm-hmm. So it's like you get that freedom when you're working on this kind of production that I think is is cool because because it, 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 interestingly, like it just it makes it a movie that feels more like
1: organic, really. Because yeah. it's like he's not playing a character; he's literally just gets to be himself in a horror situation, right?
0: And and I think that helps when you're casting a professional wrestler in in. In the role like this because mm-hmm. you're not make you're not like forcing like to me I think the funniest thing is when I watch like The Rock and something mm-hmm. and like his name like in a movie will be Brock Stone and you look at this <laughs> Such like a movie name Right, and then you look at this like you know two hundred and sixty pound like you know, Samoan and black guy, and you're like, Yeah, there's no way that this is your name. Like Or, my favorite part <laughs> or the Arnold thing. Like Arnold used to do that too, where yeah. like his name was like some bizarre name that absolutely not name.
1: <laughs> That's my favorite one is when they're like <laughs> they try to put those big guys in like nerdy roles and they're like, the Rock is playing a bodybuilding scientist by the name of <laughs> John Smartman, or some. Yeah, so
0: shit it's like, <laughs> so it, so what makes the acting in this work a lot better than it probably should is that you're watching a guy, you know, play a character that's not too dissimilar from the character he played on television in wrestling.
1: And it works so well. It works well in this movie because of the fact that we spend a lot of time. With just Dawn in the house.
0: It's a sh- it's shocking the amount of time that we spend with him. Like, I, again, I come into this movie understanding that he's one of the stars of this movie. But the movie's called Girl on, Girl on the Third Floor. Before I popped it in and watched it, I thought I was watching a movie about a guy living in an apartment building. Who he was going to be either the victim of something or he was going to be the aggressor in something that was happening in a building. I turn this movie on and I come to find out that it's actually the story of a guy who's moved into this house, you know, with his pregnant wife back where back where they were living in previous and he's putting together the stuff in this house, uh, you know, to, to prepare for her to get there. And besides, I think, one of the inspirations in this, like just watching this movie... I feel like there's a bit of The Shining that is inspired in all of this. Because much like... Jack Nicholson's character in that movie, where it's like, oh, I'm a writer and I need to get up to the mountains with my family and do this and stuff, and you're watching like the slow unraveling of a guy like being isolated for so long. It's kind of similar stuff that's happening here. You know, Don has isolated himself from the people that he knows, uh, from his wife and you know, soon-to-be child that is coming. You know, like in. It, it, that's the part of it where it's like immediately you know that he's a character that's running away from something. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is, but you know that he's running away from something. And um, it's construction or any type of fixtures that are done in the house are already painful to do. I can tell you that. Like just from minor fixtures that I've had to do.
1: Yeah, like some asshole spilling your Red Bull all over <laughs> your
0: I seriously cannot imagine like having to go into a house and like spend the amount of time that it's going to take to redo a bunch of the stuff in here, and, and, you know, I do have friends of mine that have bought houses and have had to spend tons of time and money rebuilding foundations and old homes and having to put things together. But the idea that this guy's going to do it by himself, Idiot. a guy who very clearly <laughs> doesn't look like he's done this before. And the reason why I know that is because when one of his friends shows up and looks at his small toolbox, he says, oh, this is all the tools you got? It like, It's
1: literally everyday repair tools. It, like. it
0: literally literally reminded me of, like, a thing that happened recently with, with my dad and I, where we were, like, you know, my dad helped me, like, swap out a garbage disposal unit in my in my home, and there was a couple of tools that I was still missing, and, you know, I had my toolbox out, and then my dad, like, comes in with his, like, obviously, he's spent much more years <laughs> put, fixing things in his own house. Both
1: our dads. <laughs> Worked at least Maybe what 60 years combined In hard labor <laughs> And it's like Just for their Soft ass sons To make a
0: podcast oh, No 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 I mean like it, It's not a It's not a like a ma- Who's manlier than you Like kind oh, of no, conversation I, I admit
1: my, Our dads <laughs> are probably Much manlier than <laughs> us
0: No, I'm just saying that like my dad clearly has spent a lot more time doing this kind of stuff. So he's accumulated much more tools than I have in this. So I relate to this guy. I do relate to this guy because he's clearly a guy who's in over his head. Who's trying to put together all the fixtures in his house. And I feel like all the work that it's going to take him to do is what's going to end up driving him insane. (laughs) Throughout the course of this film.
1: And it's like not just... And if like the work in itself doesn't make him go crazy. The house itself. Seeing as how the house... Like precums all over the place, <laughs> like it is so gross. Whenever like Don leaves the room, and you see all the ectoplasm, goo, sperm, like shoot out
0: of. Yeah, it is a bit of a living house, and I know that there's certain things like that. Like if you watch something like Poltergeist, you'll see that kind of stuff in there.
1: Uh-huh. Well, but- remember, I told you part of this movie is very body horror, and I don't know if you remember I told you or when I told you that. I totally was referring to the house itself also being a part of
0: that. Right, like you feel like the house is hurting every time that he's making a change to it because shit is starting to come out of the wall. And spoiler alert, if you are building, if you are doing, you know, work inside of a brand new house and shit is coming out of the walls, you're going to have to take that entire wall down to see what the fuck is going on. If your house is coming... (laughs) 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 <laughs> if your house is bleeding or coming,
1: I shit it and
0: come. Okay, yeah, that's the
1: quality podcasting that our fans love. But no, like, yeah, if your house is coming, bleeding, shit, like any biological functions, please, like, call an exorcist and. A fucking contractor?
0: (laughs) In no particular order. Uh, Actually,
1: no. Call the contractor and then get him to do the repairs. And if he disappears, quote unquote, in your house, (laughs) guess what? Free house upgrade, bastards. (laughs) Alright, so moving forward, uh, we get introduced to the character of Sarah. So Sarah is like this strawberry blonde girl that like has kind of been following
0: yeah like there's been there's been a couple like scenes where she seems to be like hanging out in the yard like watching don dom in the middle of the night or like in the evening it's just bizarre it's one of those things where it's like i guess at first he comes off like a bit of a squatter But it's like, I don't know. I would be immediately alarmed at the sight of someone who I very much know should not be there. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and... You know, right off the bat, Don... Like, at this point, we've seen Liz a couple times in the film. Like, we know Don talks to her almost nightly. And it's like the first night that he finally starts talking to Sarah. Like, just to get to know who she is since she's... Like, out in his backyard and doing weird shit like that, right? Like, <laughs> he he just sleeps with her. He was just like, oh, well, my... And it's, like, so scummy.
0: It's Yeah, it's shorthand to tell you that this guy's a complete fucking scumbag.
1: And it sucks because, the like, everything up until that part, you're like, okay, I kind of relate to this guy. He's a caring husband. He, like, you know, is just working on his house. And then he sleeps with this girl and you're just like, wow
0: yeah once he sleeps with the girl like i think my horror movie morality meter you're like, like he's gonna die yeah he my horror movie it. morality meter tells me that he is gonna die and i interestingly enough what ends up happening i kind of predicted it in the middle of the film mm-hmm. and that was that you know that in many ways don is not going to be the main character in this film in fact it's gonna end up being Liz somehow. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, pulls the old switcheroo on you. Yeah. And what like to really solidify the fact that Don is a piece of shit, it's like after he gets Sarah out of the house, he looks over at the dog and Cooper just stares at him, like silently judging him with those beautiful dog eyes. He's just like, Come on, man, I deserve this And I was like <laughs> Ah angry noises It's also really
0: funny to watch, like to to watch just the meta knowledge we have about CM Punk, like, to watch his character, like, drink copious <laughs> amounts of alcohol. Because, you know, uh, for those that don't know and don't follow pro wrestling, the actor himself is... Straight he, edge, baby. Yeah, so he... Means
1: no drugs, no alcohol.
0: Yeah. At all in his professional wrestling career too, like he hasn't yeah. done any of that stuff, and so it is funny to watch him as a character. Like just you, you just know that they basically gave him fake booze the entire time that he was on this shoot.
1: Yeah, because they do show like, and that does come up in some conversations with Liz, where Liz is like, "So you're being good, right? You're not drinking." And he's like, "Of course, honey, I ain't drinking." And meanwhile, he's got like a beer in the background. Mm-hmm. Or when, like, you know, he gets off the phone, he goes, "No, I'm just gonna go get some dinner. Don't worry, I'll be nice." And then when he goes down to the bar. He just eats whatever shitty food the bar had, plus starts drinking with the bartender. Yes. <laughs> but I did want to mention the importance part of that scene of the in the bar is that you do get a really awkward interaction between him and the bartender, where the bartender straight up asks him if he's if he's gay. And he's like, "No, I have a wife and I'm expecting a kid." And I love that the bartender's like, "Oh, well, you know, you can still have a wife and a kid and still be gay." <laughs> but then the important part is that the bartender says the house has a weird effect on straight men for some reason, and it does like, you know, and just tells him to be careful. So the thing is, this house does have a reputation but no one wants to tell him about it. It's the weirdest thing.
0: Right, because even his neighbor who is the preacher lady, like she had a conversation with him and it does feel like she's a little holier than thouing him. Uh you know, well this house used to be this and you know, it all depends on this. It's like it feels like she's trying to make some sort of morality play to him and tell him like, you know, well be careful because if you're not then this kind of thing is going to happen. And it feels kind of it feels like a game from the beginning of all yeah. of that, and, and and it does start to feel like one of those conspiracy things of like you know everyone is against you because you don't belong there, and that's kind of an interesting too because it's like yeah it's like yeah it's like here comes this city guy who's moving into this neighborhood he knows nothing about, uh, bought this house that he has absolutely no idea like you know what has happened there in the past, and when he hears about it he basically when he hears about it from the woman. He basically listens to it, but will completely disregard any kind of concern that he has. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, it's it's the movies, inter- it's what I love about these kind of indie movies. Like, I do. You don't know very much about these characters when it starts. And as the movie unfolds, that's when you start finding out more about characters. And I think that's the kind of neat shit that... Indie movies can do it, but specifically these kind of like indie style horror movies, they do it so well. Something oh, yeah. like The Strangers does it really well too, and that's not even an indie movie.
1: Like yeah. single it, location movies do it the best because literally you don't have to do anything other... You have no choice but to get to know the characters and like the location you're at.
0: It's like you use all sorts of narr- narrative devices to to kind of dispel information about what's yeah. happening. And, uh, you know, the FaceTime is cool because it like, again, that's when you find out through Liz, you get to know the character of Liz. So you get to build in a relationship with her from that moment in the movie. Then from there, that's when you find out more things about Don's past. Later, you're gonna get the character of Milo, who's his old coworker and friend from Chicago. That's gonna come in and help him do some ceiling work. You know, like I guess he's I guess he does contract work as well, or I guess he does some sort of construction work.
1: It's not clear. <laughs> you're left to assume that Don is a is a lawyer. That so is Milo, but for some reason, Milo is much more handy than Don.
0: Yeah, like he seems like a much better person in general than Don does. <laughs> Because a lot of, I feel like the characters will kind of, well, characters tiptoe around the fact that Don is a bad guy. Yeah,
1: that's true. So it's like
0: before you even find out what he did, you kind of have an understanding that he's not that great a guy and you did watch him cheat on his pregnant wife.
1: Apparently a lot because I think Liz even admits that she knows he cheated while she was pregnant before he even hooked up with Sarah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so one night while Don is talking to Liz, Liz gets freaked out because she does see like those creepy moments where there's someone just off camera, but then they like, oh, um, something moves, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, while well, he starts falling around because, you know, to the viewer, we think Sarah... Is in the house messing with Dawn. And as he goes around trying to like... Kind of... You know, very suspecting of, of like where she's at. And that she he, she's just trying to like harass him. When he gets back to the room he's been sleeping in. Like the ceiling comes crashing down. And it reveals to be connected to the attic. And it looks like the ceiling was something that was added later on. And that originally that... The room seemed to be larger and had even, like, a weird railing.
0: Yes. And that is the yeah. shit that reminds me of House of the Devil. Because... 100%. We yeah. need to do that movie on this show, by the way. Like, I, we are going to have to do that movie at some point. Because I feel like, despite the fact that it's a movie that people don't talk about as much now, there's a lot, like, of stuff, like, that's in there in the aesthetic and the story that I feel like has permeated those kind of indie horror movies in the decade to follow. It
1: feels like it's a huge movie within the horror community, but it's so niche yeah. that not many people mainstream will ever talk about it. So I'm down.
0: Yeah. it's it, But anyway, it, it just, it feels immediately once you find out what the ceiling used to look like, like it does feel like it's a seance room or something. Yeah. You know, he, like not even like, yes, they talk about the fact that it used to be a brothel and that it was a place of ill repute reputation uh but it's like it, it really does feel like you know Stop more and more like people were just doing like satanic rituals in it than anything
1: 100 percent. i expected this to go the way of house of the devil where there's a secret conspiracy and they're supposed to like Make Dawn be the father of Satan or something. Yeah, and you know?
0: I thought that the I thought that the preacher neighbor lady was gonna be the puppet master. Yeah, bringing everything together, and that she was gonna be the character that was going to uh, run the seance. Yes, <laughs> the um,
1: that is exactly what I expected, but this movie throws you a little bit more for a loop. Um, when Milo gets there, he takes uh, you know that him and. Uh, Don talk more about uh, the situation with Don and Sarah. Don having to leave Chicago. And uh, Milo really takes uh, umbrage with the fact that Don cheated on Liz. Because he says, Liz is my friend. I don't feel comfortable trying to keep this Uh, secret from her. To which uh, Don responds, look Milo, if you're not going to help me with this then don't be here when I get back. And he ends up leaving, I think, to go get, like...
0: Good for Milo, too, because, you know, it's not often that you... Normally, these kind of weird guy relationships, guys are very willing to to keep lurid secrets about married men. It is It, it does add a dimension to the fact that not only is he friends with him, he's friends with her and both of them. And instead of his reaction being yeah yeah fine go ahead and do this and i'll cover for you it's dude this isn't cool that you're doing this and the fact that you're doing this to my friend is an uncomfortable thing it's 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 cool because movies don't usually go there with especially with guy relationships
1: Mm -hmm. yeah for the record don't tell me any of your secrets if you're cheating on people i will (laughs) i will snitch and punch you in the face (laughs) but yeah it was it was really interesting uh to see that to see that uh that take place right So as Dawn leaves, uh, Milo, um, you know, I I think Dawn ends up telling, oh, that's what it was. Dawn tells Sarah to leave because she ends up coming in the morning and she ends up surprising Milo. And that's when Milo is able to put two and two together. And Don essentially threatens Sarah to leave. And that's kind of what kind of leads to the argument between Don and Milo because Milo does call him out for not only cheating on Liz, but also threatening a woman, you know? Because mm-hmm. he does threaten to pretty much kill her.
0: <laughs> yes. And that's a part of it, too, where you're like, yeah, you're like, he probably got away with some sort of violent crime. You know, that's, it's, it's interesting. This movie really does posit a couple different things. I was thinking it was some sort of white-collar crime. But at the same time, when he's having this conversation with Milo and when he's actually threatening this girl, you know, I really do start thinking, well, maybe it was some sort of domestic crime that he
1: had. What I think it was, I think he was just a scumbag and did all kinds of weird shit where, you know, putting my conspiracy theory hat on, was he... Because that because Milo reveals that he and... Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't Milo. Liz reveals it later. Yes.
0: Liz will reveal exactly what he did. And that's yeah. the fact that he worked with elderly people. And he defrauded a lot of them out of, like, retirement accounts and stuff like that. So,
1: what I thought before that was that he pretty much, like, did the same thing. Just took a bunch of money. And was essentially running, quote-unquote, running Chicago. And that he was just getting rich and doing shit. But... I figure that he was like paying sex workers, and ma- this is what I was thinking. This no, just, I
0: don't have a problem yeah, with that. Like, Again, I was just that—that's like, the kind of the neat thing about this movie. The plot is very bare bones, and I if we're just is, talking yeah. about what is on screen, it's a five-minute conversation that we're having. But yeah. the fact that the movie kind of leaves a lot of things open to interpretation. It's what makes this stuff interesting to discuss, so continue.
1: Yeah, because what I thought was that he was, like, paying sex workers for parties and stuff with his co because it sounds like him and Milo even partied before. And so I assumed that what ended up happening is he got aggressive with one of the girls, maybe hit her, and then because he's a lawyer and knows, you know, ways around law, he was able to make it hide under the rug, or, you know, hide some stuff under the rug. Which makes it even more terrifying when he does threaten Sarah. Because you're like, oh, crap. Like he This knows, is a dangerous guy. This is a dangerous guy. Yeah. He may not look it, but he maybe he is. Yes. And we finally get a good look of the nymph. Which is a ghost of something. A monster, whatever it is. But it looks like a woman whose jaw was like pushed into her head so she has, yeah, like, like all over the that's place that's what I was
0: wondering I was like is that some sort of skin infection or is it teeth that I'm looking at oh no that was teeth
1: <laughs> that was straight teeth and we see later that you know like the, there's stuff that confirms that but a very creepy monster design but you don't see it enough to really appreciate it and I wonder and I wonder if they just wasn't that good they knew so they knew to like film her very quickly in short bursts or if that was just like a you know shitty choice on the director's part but essentially they end up killing milo and he ends up disappearing when dom comes back or don not dom sorry don comes back he sees milo is gone and he's um like just not there so he assumes that they're no longer friends he ends up texting Milo and Milo's phone appears to respond to him and then from there what was it Um, oh yeah the next day this okay you know guard yourselves y'all because this I know we just saw a grown man die but now we're gonna talk about the death of a dog (laughs) and this part gets you So as Don, Don, um, you know, as he goes around the house, again, he gets lured around and we find out that Sarah ends up luring his dog Milo down into the basement where, um, oh, no, 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 not yet. That's what happens is he goes out and he buys a new, he buys a camera, like a security system. He ends up buying new locks because like there's some creepy stuff that happens that the door opens and you know one night after he installs all the cameras and after he changes the locks he can't find milo and but he not like don kind of already knows what happens and we find out that sarah lures milo down to the basement and as don goes searching for him he hears the dryer going off and it's like you don't really notice the dryer's going until Dawn notices, and then you're like, no way. So you and Dawn both know it at this point. And of course you get the reveal that Milo's body's in the dryer. <laughs> and you're just like, no, oh, the poor dog. Thank God they don't actually show you the dog's corpse. Uh, but Dawn ends up, you know, completely, you know, frightened. And uh, frightened and angry he ends up calling the police and a police officer does show up, takes a report uh, but based on the evidence that that uh Don gives him, there's nothing that shows Sarah was in the house. nothing shows that Sarah was the one behind it. but like Don just knows right and you know he ends up just kind of defeated. You know, one night he's standing, or, you know, he's just sitting at his bed, and Sarah ends up getting into the house. Sarah, and to which he responds, Okay, you're win. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to hurt you or scare you. Just please leave me alone. And he says that, or he tells Sarah that he has something for her, to which she responds, Oh, a gift from a married man sounds like a bribe. And then he goes, just come on, I'll show you. And as he takes her down to the base... No, he ends up taking her to, like, the kitchen. And suddenly just pulls out the hammer from behind his back and just, like, brains her in the kitchen. (laughs) And you just see Bud spatter everywhere all over his face. He ends up picking up Sarah's body, taking her down down into the basement where... He puts her body, like, in a wall frame. Like, throws a bunch of lie. Throws a bunch of, like... Like, it, like it, it's weird because it looks like he's done this before. Like, he knows exactly what he needs. <laughs> so it becomes even more frightening. So he ends up, like, putting a bunch of stuff to cover up the corpse smell. He ends up putting up a wall to hide the body. And you think, oh, okay. Like, guess he's getting away with murder, right? and he ends up getting a call from uh, Liz during this time and he's trying to like hide still hide the fact that he's like covered in blood um yeah he ends up trying to cover the like cover up that he's like covered in blood and like he's cleaning up the house Um, and it's at that point that like he goes back down and he realizes that the body's missing (laughs) And this is kind of where the like he starts devolving into madness. This is where like the house really starts oozing weird bodily fluids and starts freaking out and um uh, and like dawn ends up getting chased by the by the uh, by the nymph and then we get the gross marble scene. <laughs> Dude. So what I'm referring to is that the nymph, like, throws marbles at dawn, and as they roll towards him, it starts rolling into him, and you see this marble just under his skin. Yeah, it
0: crawls inside his body, and it starts going up his arms and legs, and, you know, if you're someone who's squeamish, like, it is hard to watch.
1: It, well, it, well, the part that got me wasn't the uh, the marbles actually moving under his skin, it was the part where he grabs the uh, box cutter and, and starts, like,
0: starts like cutting his skin so that he can pull it out. And it's like oh it is that is shit that like when I have dreams like scary dreams or it's, like nightmares and stuff like that's the kind of shit you dream about. Which is like you got something stuck somewhere where it shouldn't be and then all, or all of a sudden you try to make something like get something out and you end up cutting something that you can't cut back. Like you ever like notice how you'll have dreams like that? Well, you do Like I had this bizarre dream one time that like for some reason I only had a portion of my own nose and throughout the course of the dream like my entire nose falls out and I can't do anything to put it back and I'm the one who did something that made the rest of it fall out or something. It's just so weird like that's the kind of shit that this makes me think of. It's like something goes inside your body and then you try to get it out and you end up mutilating yourself in the process
1: so it's gross but I love it (laughs) so uh, Don continues to like cut chunks of himself out eventually like the movie cuts back to Liz it cuts to the next day Mm -hmm. and Liz shows up and she ends up running into Sarah and she finds out that Sarah's been helping uh, Don renovate quote unquote the house and you know she tries to get more familiar with with everything going on it's this is the kind of shit
0: where it's kind of like the shining you know what i mean it's like it's two people that are in a like it's a three it's a family in a hotel no one else should be there because they're isolated yet like It's completely normal when Jack goes into the bar and he ends up seeing his bartender that he knows in this completely random situation. And then the same thing here where it's like Liz coming inside the house. that's supposed to be her new house that no one else should be in. And then she sees Sarah in there and Sarah's just like, oh, you know, I'm the gopher. Like, it's just weird dream shit, right? Where it's just like it makes absolutely no sense. She kind of called bullshit on it right away, but at the same time, because she knows her husband's a cheating scumbag, she, like, knows that something is afoot, and then she is the one who ends up having a conversation with the preacher neighbor lady, and... At this
1: uh, point, I still think the preacher neighbor lady is possibly still involved, but mm-hmm. then she says something that's really interesting, where she says the house is bad for relationships, and that she hopes Dawn is a strong man... To be able to resist the problems in the house.
0: Right. And you already know that he lost. Yep. (laughs) And that's
1: the part. Yeah, that's the part that gets you. You already know he lost after she says that. And that's why I'm like, oh, maybe she's not nearly as bad as I think she is. Mm -hmm. So when uh, Liz ends up returning to her house, it feels like the house suddenly changes to a different time. And we see all these people dressed in suits walking around the house. And a lot of women dressed in, like, you know... Provocative clothes, and you're left to assume that this is you've got to step back in time where Liz is now at the time when this house was the brothel.
0: Also, very much the shining, like mm. you are stepping into when this place was a lot livelier and when more people lived here and like it's just it's and it's so sudden that you don't even really have enough time to process it like liz should be questioning why this is happening and she kind of does but at the same time like she's already in here so she's got to look for a reason why this is happening
1: and as she like bangs on the door she demands to see dawn until one of the women tell her that the show's about to start and that if she wants a good view she should go upstairs and as she goes upstairs we realized that the house that, uh, or the room that Don was staying in, was uh, looked like the master bedroom where uh, these sex shows would take place. Mm-hmm. And the reason why the ceiling was open was that so people can gather around in the attic area and they can look down as uh, the shows were taking place. So we see Sarah, who looks like to be the star attraction of the show, and you know she comes out in this black lingerie. And she gets, and she puts on this S and show with like this muscular dude in a weird plague doctor's mask. But it feels like the show gets a little bit too real, and a lot more beyond what Sarah's um, limits are, as the plague doctor guy starts hitting her harder and harder with like this. Like tree, brand, like, tree twigs? Not twigs. Yeah. but like. And I
0: can't, I can't help but see these, like, masked guys and think of stuff like either the Poughkeepsie tapes or Eyes Wide Shut. Like, mm-hmm. I have to think about those movies when I see these bizarre, like, you know, plague doctor outfits. <laughs> I still haven't seen the
1: Poughkeepsie tapes. I need to.
0: Uh, yeah. I heard
1: it's, like, super gore, edgy horror, though. Not really, like... I just
0: think it's a movie that, like, I I don't know. It's a movie that I was really into about ten years ago, but I I don't know what I'd feel about it now. Maybe we do it in the show at some point soon, because I I feel like
1: super into. Rob Zombie Halloween <laughs> 10 years ago.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like I, I, I'm sure in my 20s I felt a way about it, and I probably might feel different ways about it now if mm-hmm. I watch it now. So we'll talk about it one day, but but that is just what I think of when I see these guys. And again, here, this is the point where Liz becomes the main character of the film. You yeah. know, all of it is just following her.
1: Yeah, because this is where Liz sees the nymph as a human. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's actually this submissive, like almost infantile girl where Mm -hmm. she's not necessarily like, like, she's not a girl. She's still a grown woman or, you know, body wise, a grown woman, Mm -hmm. but she, but
0: she isn't vantilized.
1: Yeah. I don't don't know if that's part of the, part of the, the show or if that's part of like kind of how she's been forced to act in this brothel. Uh, but Sarah reveals that uh, she ended up dying uh, in the house. People found out, and they at least buried her. But that Sarah was killed by the man she was performing with, and no one even cared. And she talked to, and then that's when she starts talking about how all these men that came to watch her and enjoyed her, and they get to you know pretty much get off to her. But final, couldn't even be bothered and didn't even give a shit when she disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, and at this point is when Sarah starts talking about how, what was it? She says, she says something to the effect of that men only care about the power you're willing to give them. Mm-hmm. And kind of talking about Liz's situation as well, that... Don has power over her, but only because she's "quote unquote" willing to give it to him. Well, the other thing Which too is, kind of is problematic if that's kind of the way you're going. You're looking at it too.
0: Well, the other thing is that I feel like the the tone of these supernatural events take a completely different, like like it's less aggressive when it's with Liz than it is with with Don. Mm. With Don, it is very clearly something that is trying malignant that is trying to attack him. With Liz, it, it and I don't even think that it's doing anything different with Liz. I just think that because the fact that the lit Liz like is somehow more closely relating with some of these like past women who work there, you know, that it's something where not only does she listen to the preacher lady a lot more than Don does and take yeah. and take it more seriously what she's hearing and have no problem venting about, like, the truth of her life and why Don is moved over here and stuff like that. Like, she's got the ability to discuss all of these, you know, all the reasons why she's not okay with this lady. Whereas, like, Don, much like lots of men, just internalizes everything mm-hmm. and is basically doomed because... You know, we don't really know too much about him. We don't know how he feels about the women here, and maybe in many ways, like Don seems to be someone who very easily slips into the patterns of of male violence, the same way that maybe the guys who 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 came to this brothel when it was an operation were.
1: Yeah, because as we know, violence doesn't necessarily have to be physical. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's interesting because the house what we learn is that the house is actually tests its inhabitants. Um when Liz go Liz ends up running away from Sarah who's trying to kill her. Uh she ends up going to the main bedroom. And this is in the room it looks back to normal. The ceiling's back on and she ends up and she sees that like these marbles roll out of the of the what's it called the uh closet Mm -hmm. and we see a bloodied and cut up dawn come out of the house or come out of the the closet Mm -hmm. and he says baby it took forever but i finally got them all out and then he goes look i'm sorry i fucked up i fucked up really bad it's just you don't know what it's like baby and immediately starts making excuses. He admits to having sex. Classic Sarah. men. <laughs> Why are men? I, dude, it's like it's
0: a thing that like I swear I pay attention to it more now than I ever did. It's just like fuck like as guys, like we really do look for dumb reasons. To explain away shitty behavior. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is what I feel like is happening. That is 100%
1: what's happening. And that's, say that.
0: and that's why this moment you're like, yeah, it's 100% Liz is the good guy in this character. And no one else is.
1: Because <laughs> mo- he tries to like ask her for forgiveness to which she denies him. And good he for her immediately explodes on her right yeah like he starts saying come on i don't know why i turned to barney Grumble there <laughs> or barney Gumble, i mean but he ends up taking the um he ends up taking the box cutter and starts cutting this scalp and you see blood start rushing down as he starts cutting down the middle. And I was like, oh, shit, sure. we're going to see Frank from uh, Hellraiser. Hellraiser. <laughs> and as he, like, rips off his skin, and he's, like, laughing maniacally, the laughing turns to Sarah's laughing. And, you know, Sarah ends up ripping Don's skin off of her. Mm-hmm. And at this point, um, yeah, at this point, uh, she ends up saying, I thought we had you for a little bit um and uh liz ends up leaving the house or she ends up leaving the room and as she's trying to like escape the house milo calls her attention and we see milo (laughs) we see milo's face like his head inside of one of the holes in the wall (laughs)
0: smiling
1: smiling and laughing at her and then you see like a heartbeat and you see like a lung under the wall it looks super creepy (laughs) And then you end up seeing in this really cool effect, the nymph starting to like she pops out one of the light sockets and starts pushing through like span like the looks like the wall is made of spandex. And she starts pushing through it and like ripping it so she can slowly climb out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And as she's climbing out, you're expecting Liz to be afraid. But and the camera cuts over to Liz and as she holds the sledgehammer up. She ends up bringing it right down on the nymph's head. <laughs> I
0: it's think she floating. says something like "fuck this" when yeah. she does it too. So it's like you know, Liz is with the shits.
1: Yeah, and she ends up uh, going to talk to. She ends up escaping the house, and she talks to. She ends up meeting up with Ellie, the the preacher from across the street, and this is where Ellie kind of like reveals something like, "Hey, I'm glad you. I'm glad you got out." um i thought your husband would have been different and she and to which you know liz pissed off completely understandably so says you knew Mm -hmm. and um i think ellie says something to the effect of yeah i knew like but that's the thing i watch over this house this house watches over mine we have nothing to do with each other because people have to make their own choices she's like the only thing i can do is tell people about the house but at the end of the day they have to choose and so realizing that, Liz goes back and ends up going through the house, breaking one of the walls, and finding Sarah's bones. And I believe the nymph's bones as well. And so she ends up taking those off and um, ends up giving them a proper burial, taking the curse off of the house. And then we get a fast-forward to six months later. Liz is all moved in. Liz is... um. You know, taking care of her, her baby daughter all by herself. And she ends up putting her down to go to sleep. And then when Liz leaves, we see marbles start dropping from, like, the ceiling onto the baby's crib. And then, like, as the camera starts panning up, upwards, you see uh Dawn's, like, face <laughs> in the grate. And the movie ends with him saying, that's my girl.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which is corny, but, you know, it is the end of the movie. And, uh, all right, so, Javi, do you like Girl on the Third Floor?
1: Yeah, it was weird. Like, the more we've talked about it, when I first watched it, yes, I really liked it. Second time I watched it, I was like, eh, I don't like this nearly as much. Because there's some times where this movie very clearly feels like a, um, It very clearly feels like a college movie, (laughs) like a college... It
0: doesn't feel like a... A
1: film film school, like, final project, you know?
0: I I mean, I I wouldn't... wouldn't I'm not knocking it for that. No, no, no. I I, I, I probably... I wouldn't go that far, but I would probably agree that it definitely feels... Like the script maybe isn't there, yeah. you know, and there is limitations to the fact that you make a pro wrestler your star of your movie. Even though he's very good and the character that he plays is pretty interesting, it does in some ways feel like something is missing. It feels
1: like the story's very derivative. I hate using that word because it makes me sound like like a douchebag. And also everything's derivative derivative of everything. yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, this movie does draw a lot of... At the very least, I'll say this. This movie draws a lot of inspiration from a lot of different films and like, a bunch of different movie tropes. And at least it picks the good ones. You know, like it picks your house of the devil. Picks your, to a certain extent, Rosemary's Baby, you know? Like it picks... Um, what was the other one you used? The Shining. Like it uses parts that work in those movies and does them maybe to not the same degree, but, you know, tries to work with a lot of those tropes. Um, I'm trying to think what else I mean yeah the script is lacking but at least the acting is really good I thought the girl that played Sarah um, Liz, Dawn all of them were fantastic even Milo he wasn't on there for too long but he was pretty good too mm-hmm. so honestly acting wise like it was pretty strong um, but yeah it just feels like the script is lacking something some oomph you know uh, because even the climax of the movie felt kind of not anticlimactic but kind of wet farty because it's like <laughs> oh no i was expecting something and then it's like the only thing that really happens is liz kills the nymph mm-hmm. um but ultimately i do like this movie like all that to say i do like this movie i just don't see myself coming back to it too often
0: Yep, I would agree. I like this movie. Uh, How often am I going to come back to it? I don't really know, but it definitely was fun to watch for this podcast. I do feel like Getting to watch something like this, it is definitely getting me in the Halloween spirit, so I appreciate that part of it. Because, you know, on top of watching my regular Halloween watches, like different movies in the Halloween franchise, or like, you know, Exorcist and all that kind of stuff, like, I also do like to space out my Halloween, like, horror film watching with at least one or two new things that I've never seen before. So it is cool to kind of get together and do this piece of it. And, uh, yeah, I definitely appreciated watching this. And I do recommend that anybody watch who has Netflix watch it because, you know, this is the time to watch those movies. Hell
1: yeah, Girl on the Third Floor. We both liked it enough to at least watch it once. So check it out, y'all. Uh,
0: thanks for joining us for this episode. We'd like to encourage you to keep interacting, keep interacting with us on social media, to uh, rate and uh, leave... Recommendations for us on the Apple Podcast app. And please, you know, try to get the word out for the podcast, you know, to your friends if you're a listener of the show so that we can try to grow the audience of the podcast. And
1: uh, even if you're not a listener, fucking tell your friends to.
0: Um. So, yeah, we'll be back talking horror movies again next week, and it should be pretty exciting. I re-uploaded our Halloween 2018 episode, which we did all the way back in January of 2019 mm-hmm. when we first started this podcast. Damn. And, uh, yeah, next week we're going to be talking the sequel to that movie with uh, 2021's Halloween Kills, which is available both in theaters and is also streaming on Peacock, so uh, <laughs> definitely... Definitely, you'll be able to get a handle on it before we do the movie next week if you're interested in
1: watching it. There are dozens of us Peacock users. Dozens!
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for this episode and we'll talk to you guys next time. Later, y'all.